Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 269. Ways of setting up your website so that Google and YouTube and Pinterest pay more attention to you. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for hanging out with me here today. We just completed a four-part series highlighting business owners who have changed how they've been doing business to fit the times. If you haven't listened already, I encourage you to do so. It's just the first four episodes before this. They've put things in place to attract new customers that they'll continue to use as we open back up again. Isn't it interesting how when we're forced to do something different, it can become the best thing ever? Before we move on, one quick announcement. I've heard from a number of you asking how to get into Makers MBA. I've been mentioning it more and more in the Facebook group, Gift Biz Breeze, and also here in the podcast. And I guess that's what's been prompting the questions. So this program is originally created for a brand new business dreamer going from concept to profitable business through a proven step-by-step strategy. But I'm listening to you because the truth is, even when you have a business up and running, Things can get messy, and important foundational elements, think websites and email marketing, can be forgotten or never set up in the first place. And I get it, you're busy. So I've created a new option for you if you're an established business listener who's been in business for two years or more. It's called Makers MBA Accelerator. And what it does is fast tracks you to the specific area of your business that you know needs attention, but you just haven't had the time to focus on it. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please head over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash Makers MBA. There you'll see a link for established businesses. Click there and you'll see a form where I'm asking you a couple of questions, and then you can be in Makers MBA Accelerator quickly from there. Speaking of foundational elements put in place, here's one that I know a lot of you, me included, I'm raising my hand here, have pushed aside until later. And you know what happens then. It gets forgotten and the result is we're losing out on a lot of potential sales. And sales that can come with zero effort once you have everything set up properly. I'm talking, of course, about SEO, search engine optimization. Agreed, even the words sound intimidating. But today we're going to hear what it can do for your website and sales, and specifically what you need to do to put it in place. And it ends up that it's not that difficult. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Meg Casebolt, the owner of Love at First Search. Meg has been helping female business owners create beautiful, search-friendly websites and strategic content for the past six years. 
She's your no BS bestie who makes it super easy for your dream customers to find and adore you online. This results in effortless web traffic, consistent customers, soaring profit, and so much more free time and sanity. Meg knows her clients have incredible messages to spread, and she wants to help them get seen by new audiences. Meg, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me here, Sue. I'm so excited to be here with you and share some of the wonders of Google with your audience. And we all want that and need that. The whole idea of SEO has been a topic that's been coming up a lot lately. And so figuring out some of the behind the scenes of how that works, I know already piques my listeners' interest. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think especially, you know, so you and I are recording this in May of 2020. And so we're kind of in the reopening beginnings of the pandemic here in the States as we're recording. So SEO has been top of mind for a lot of people who suddenly don't necessarily have those in-person connections or even wholesale relationships happening right now. And being able to sell direct to consumer and be found by those people is really essential right now. And I think that's the way that the economy is heading, too. So SEO is so, so important, even more so than ever. So true. And the other thing that I'm hearing a lot from my folks is, you know, well, I've put up a website, but I'm not getting any sales. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we're going to be talking specifically to that in a minute. But before we do, Meg, I have this traditional question I have to ask you, because all of us here listening are creators. And so this is a little bit of a different way to get to know you. And that is by way of a motivational candle. So if I were to say, describe a candle that most resonates with you, what color and quote would be on your candle? I have to confess that I really struggled with this question because I'm such a tactical person that if you ask me, how do I make my website do X, Y, Z, I can give you a tutorial. But if you ask me something a little bit more aesthetic or esoteric, I'm like, oh my God, what candle am I? (laughs) (laughs) I'm stretching you outside of your natural. Yes, you're stretching me into a creative zone instead of into a technical space. So I think the color would be navy blue, something nice and soothing. And the motivational quote that I came up with is actually one that I have on my wall in my office. It's a quote by Maya Angelou, which is, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Love it. And that so applies to the topic today. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's on the office. Like Because the ways of updating your website, it's amazing to put up your website And then you have to iteratively make it better all the time because the more you get to know the people that you're trying to serve, the more you can carve your website to be meeting their needs. Absolutely. And it's so important for us all to remember that growing businesses, setting them up, first of all, and then growing your business is an evolution. So a lot of people have gotten their website up just to what the point that you're saying, but I think we have to make sure that they understand, like, don't beat yourself up either. You're going to learn as you go. And that's why that quote is so great, too. Because I think, Meg, if I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of us are starting with zero understanding. Well, we did not get degrees in web design, right? Like if you are building an e-commerce business, the thing that you should be focusing on is creating things that people want to buy from you. And then the marketing side of things is a totally different beast that has a very different skill set. And trying to not just figure out what do people want to buy? How do I do that? You know, you got into this to be a creator. You didn't get into this to learn how to build a website or do your branding or do the copywriting business side of running a business is very different than the creative side. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. How did you get into this? 
give us a little bit of your back journey here. Sure. So I started in nonprofit communications right out of college, which I just got. This is May. So I just had the time hop pop up and say, like, you were in college 12 years ago. And I was like, oh, God, it's been so long. (laughs) Although I'm sure there are people in the audience who are like 12 years ago. She's a baby. That would be me. time's all relative. So I started my first job in nonprofit communications must actually be longer ago than that. I spent eight years working in nonprofits. And when you work in nonprofits, you kind of have to wear a lot of hats. So I was designing their websites, I was working on their copywriting, I was doing graphic design for annual reports and donor mailings and all the different ways that you can communicate with people. I was creating social media accounts for them, just like any kind of marketing. I had my hand in it as a way to raise contributions for places a lot of us have heard of, places like Big Brothers Big Sisters or Partners in Health. You know, I worked for some really amazing nonprofit companies. And then I fell in love, (laughs) moved to a new town, didn't know anybody, got a job I didn't love and got pregnant, (laughs) got married, got pregnant and looked at the cost of what my income was and then looked at the cost of what my childcare was going to be and thought, hmm, those numbers don't necessarily add up. At which point I took those skills that I had from the nonprofit sector and from being in marketing positions all over, and I started to apply them to a side hustle. At first, I started just with invitations to people to my own wedding first, and then to other people's weddings, and then baby showers, and then moved into... I had a law firm that I worked with that hired me to do all of their designs for nonprofit sponsorships. And I was like, oh, this is a fun way to tie in the nonprofit piece that I'd been working on. And then over time, I started to get more and more into web design and brought myself into that world. I became a junior designer for a friend of mine who was building websites. And so she started to send smaller projects right my way. And it kind of took off from there. And I started specializing in building websites and designing and doing the copywriting and helping small businesses and entrepreneurs to get themselves online. And as I was building those websites, I was billing out pretty substantial client invoices. And people would have these beautiful websites at the end of our time that delivered those websites. And they'd say, okay, but yeah, but where's the traffic? Where are the new leads coming from? <laughs> I was like, oh, that wasn't in the scope of services. The scope was here's your brand and here's your logo and here's your website and here's your colors and here's all these things that work for you and it looks beautiful. We didn't necessarily talk about how to generate more leads with your website. So I started really doing the research and figuring out what are the things that I as a designer can do to help my clients have better results with the deliverables that I gave them. And I learned more and more about SEO, which is what I now do almost exclusively. It's all search engine optimization. It's ways of setting up your website so that Google and YouTube and Pinterest pay more attention to you. Those are the big three in the SEO world. And I reached out to some of my friends who are also graphic designers and web designers. And I said, how do you guys balance keeping up with the trends that are happening in design and all of the different plugins and the styles? And are we doing parallax this year? Are we doing something else? And also make sure that those sites are optimized for search. And my friends who are designers said, like, we don't really know how to balance that. It really is two full-time jobs. And trying to be great at both of them is really hard. And then one of them paused and said, wait, 
are you getting good at SEO? Do you just want me to hire you for SEO from here on out? And I said, yes. And that was how things changed. And so you said right at the beginning, all of our websites are evolutions, but I think to an extent, our businesses and the service offerings that we provide and the products that we're selling, those are all evolutions too. And it comes back to this idea of when you know better, do better, right? Like the more that you learn, the more you can evolve and the more you can serve an audience better. But you have to put those first steps in place and just see what doors open to you along the way. Oh, my gosh. I love your story for several reasons. First Mm -hmm. off, you are a practitioner of what you now teach. Like you've been through the experience that a lot of your customers would have been through, too, especially that point where you're stopped and you've got your website up and you're thinking you're done. That's it. Because no one told you that there's another layer. It's a whole different thing when you're talking about SEO um, and ranking your pages and all that. And I liken it to a mistake that I made early on, too, which was on the social media side, thinking that someone who does my social media posts, at one point I hired that out, would also do ads. Mm. That's also a place where there's a split. Now, yes, a lot of people who do social media will also add on and say that they can help you with your ads, but I do feel like it's a specialty too. Absolutely. And I think the same is true for Google. People like me who are trying to get you to show up in those free rankings have a very different skill set than people who are running ads for you to show up on Google or YouTube or another one of those platforms. It's a different goal with a different pace and a different approach to everything. And you can be a generalist in digital marketing or you can go deep into one of the silos. But I think it's really hard to find one person who's good at everything. Yes, totally agree with you. Well, let's start out because I would even bet that most people are exactly where you described. They've got a website up now, so they knew they needed to do that. They've checked it off the list and it's not performing. So let's start with why is search engine optimization important? Oh, gosh. I mean, it might be obvious, but I want to just start there so we're all on the same page. For sure. So I would say search engine optimization is important because it can consistently bring new people into your world without you necessarily needing to be on top of your lead generation process all the time. So if you don't have Google consistently sending leads to you, you either have to be out networking and going to conferences and handing out business cards or developing wholesale relationships to get other people to sell for you or driving traffic to social media. But a lot of times social media doesn't necessarily want to take people off their platforms to go to someone else's website unless you're paying them to send that traffic there. So that can either be incredibly time consuming or incredibly expensive. So the alternative that I have specialized in is search engine optimization, which is find ways to make your website the best answer to the questions that people are asking on Google or Bing or Yahoo or YouTube or whatever that looks like. Make your brand the answer. And by positioning yourself as the answer, then you get those clicks without necessarily needing to invest your resources of time or money. You can just become the expert. Okay. But going in the mind of our listeners, but Meg, I have my website. It's up. So what's wrong? So a lot of times when people have their website, the problem is not necessarily that your website is bad. It's that it's not aligned with the things that people are searching for. Let me like clarify that a little bit more. If you're selling a very specific product, like Sue, give me an example of what people would be selling in your audience, like a very specific type of business. Let's say handmade soaps. Ooh, I love that. 
let's say that you're selling handmade soaps and you have this beautiful website that has the cuts of what all the soap look like and it has a detailed overview of every step that you go through in your soap making process. But it doesn't explain how each of the soaps solves a problem for that audience. So maybe you say this soap can help you with moisturizing and this soap can help with fine lines and wrinkles and this soap can help with really sensitive skin. So people with psoriasis or eczema might be good to use this soap. And now your soap is not just something pretty that sits on the back of the sink. It's a solution that people are looking for because they have psoriasis. I have very specific soaps that I do and don't use because of the products that are in them and the ways that they're formulated. So to an extent, I can just go look for, okay, I know that these products upset my skin and some of them don't. But also if somebody says this lotion is excellent for psoriasis, I think, oh, hey, that's the one that I'm going to try then. I'm looking for specific products that solve my skincare issues. Okay, so what you're saying is, and this comes through whatever the wording is on the website, I'm thinking, right? So we need to be putting on our website sentences that talk to the benefits and solutions that the product provides, not just talking about the product and maybe its features. Exactly. Yeah, features and benefits. That's a great way to think of it, Sue. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this soap helps you with this particular skin condition. It can be this is vegan soap that's cruelty free that doesn't use phthalates or parabens. There are ways that you can set yourself apart. But if you just say, I make X soap, then it is going to get lost in the competition of all the other artisan handcrafted soaps. But if you can specifically say, I make a soap that has this unique value to it, and I know that people are looking for it. Are you doing that by the way of the product elements that you're talking about? Because someone might then be searching for soap, for example, that has paraffin or coconut oil or whatever it is. So are you saying that in the definitions or the descriptions of your product and then maybe individual products, Google is finding those words, those keywords? That's one place that it's looking, sure. So your product description is a piece of content that you are creating that Google can index. So it will send these like, they call them crawler bots that go through and they look at the HTML of your website and they copy down exactly what's on your website. And when somebody looks for a term that is on your website, it will match you up in that way. So your product description is one of those pieces of content that Google looks at. The product title is even more important than the product description. So trying to be clear about what is the benefit of this product for my audience, what makes this product different. So we're creative people, right? So we want all fun, cute, fancy names for our products. Yes, you do. <laughs> Are you suggesting that that isn't helpful for search? Please don't. I know I feel like a dream killer a lot when I talk about how to be clear with your content. So if you have a bar of soap that is the color of the ocean and you want to call it the seaside soap collection, great. But also make it clear the seaside soap collection colon and then explain what the features are or the benefits are. The calming effect or yes. something that is descriptive to the result. Exactly. Because if I am looking for a particular type of soap or a particular type of product, I don't know what your name is. I cannot look for something that I don't know what exists. So instead of thinking of trying to be clever, think about trying to be clear and to align yourself with things that people are already looking for. 
I can just hear people going, oh. I know. (laughs) But we need the truth. Like, we need to work with reality, right? Yeah. And that doesn't mean that if you don't have a fun name, you don't put it in the description somewhere also. Exactly. You can still be cute. You can still be fun in your branding. It doesn't mean that you have to write like a robot. It means that you have to be clear about what your products are solving. Okay, perfect. So we need to be looking at our product titles and product descriptions. You said those are two points, two places. Two of many places. And then the main portions of your website. If you're a soap maker, where are you a soap maker? Maybe you want to specially localize and say, I'm a soap maker in Boulder, Colorado, and here are the local fairs that you can find me at in Boulder. And, you know, right now, not so many, but you can say, and I provide delivery to people within this area. So that's a huge part of SEO is being able to show up in local search for a specific area. And then also using the spaces around your website. So the headlines of your homepage or your about page or very specifically saying in those places, this is what makes me different. This is what I do. This is who I serve. This is how my products are different than other products on the market. This is how I solve your problems. Again, giving results oriented wording, I'm thinking. Yes. So I've been generally talking about results oriented, but what I want to say even more specifically than that is that you can go and take a look at all the things that people are looking for. Google actually aggregates all of the search terms that people are doing every day, every month, every year. They share that with people. They actually share it so that way people will (laughs) spend money on Google ads. So that way they know how much of a return on investment they'll get on their ad spend. But other websites around the internet have taken that information from Google and said, hey, 500 people this month are looking for body lotion with argan oil. And then you can say, oh, I use argan oil in my body lotion. That's what I should put in there and call it maybe hydrating body lotion featuring argan oil, right? (laughs) So it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to. And I'm looking at body lotion on my desk to make that a good example. (laughs) But being really specific, it doesn't necessarily have to be what are the exact features and benefits, but what are the search terms that people are actually looking for? Google is telling you what the demand is. And now you come over to your website and say, I am the supply. I am the place where you can get the thing that you need. Okay. And so where can we go to find all these search terms? Yep. The place that I like to start is a site called Ubersuggest, U-B-E-R-S-U-G-G-E-S-T. It's a free keyword research tool where you can go type in something as generic as skincare or soap, and you can see, oh, hundreds of thousands of people search for soap, but when I talk about vegan soap or goat milk soap or a specific product or what exactly are the things that people are looking for and how many people are looking for them and how competitive are those search terms. So they have all sorts of metrics. I have a bunch of trainings all over my website about this about how you can figure out what are reasonable keywords for you to pursue. And when I say keywords, I mean any query that somebody goes to Google and searches for is called a keyword. And so kind of like how tagging is or the hashtags are in social media, and they always say, go more finite, don't try to get into this big population of millions of people because you're probably never going to be seen. Does that also apply here? Nailed it. I love that correlation and example. Yes. You say, I want to be found for soap. 
then you're competing against Dial and Ivory. And I don't even know any other software. Mm-hmm. But like the big names, it's going to take a lot of work for you to develop a reputation among those folks. But if you can specialize, if you can own the specific unique value that you have within your marketplace, whether that's the audience that you serve, whether that's the ingredients that you use, whether that's the location where you are, if you can find a way to be specific, then you're much more likely to show up in those search results than if you try to go after the big guys. Are you loving this as much as I am? We have new ideas for product names We have new ideas for descriptions that will attract new business to us and keywords. And that's what we're going to continue talking about right after a quick word from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Should we be continuing to focus on a certain set of keywords or is it better to have lots of variety within the website of all different types of keywords? I would say go for kind of a silo of keywords. So I would say to assign one keyword to every page or product on your website. Only one. One to three related supporting keywords. So if you have multiple products with the same ingredients, then it can be kind of hard to come up with different ways to make that relevant. But look at it from some different angles and say, this is my collection that all have olive oil in it. And this is my collection that has this ingredient. And this is my collection for this skin condition. And for those people who are not necessarily in the skincare line, because that was the example that Sue gave me, these are gift baskets for condolences. And these are gift baskets for weddings. And these are gifts for these opportunities that people are celebrating. And then go into the keywords and say, okay, but are people looking for gifts for condolences? Or are they looking for gifts for loss or for remembrance gifts? Like what are the actual are the words, words? Yeah. that people are using? And align your categories and your product listings and any related blog posts get those words in there. Because if you're talking about condolences gifts and other people are saying, oh no, those are remembrance gifts, then you're not going to show up for remembrance gifts because you're not putting the words that people are looking for into the places that Google is looking for them. Sounds like a spreadsheet might be in order. (laughs) (laughs) Listing all of your products, then what the main category is, and then going in and doing a little bit of research on the secondary, like the more specific category. Yes. And I think this is one of the hardest things for e-commerce businesses is trying to come up with a unique way to talk about all your products, not to just copy and paste. This is the product description, but finding a unique positioning angle for similar things can be really hard. Okay. So we definitely shouldn't just be doing the same keywords throughout the entire site. You should have like 
main keywords that kind of trickle down through the entire site, but not trying to get every page on the site to rank for the same keyword, because then you're just going to be competing against yourself. Oh, good point. Okay. And then when you're talking about putting these keywords on your site, you're talking about integrating it into the copy, and then also something behind the scenes, probably. Yes. So there's kind of two places to think about getting your keywords. And like you just said, Sue, you nailed it. The first is on your page. So making sure that it's in your product descriptions, on your homepage copy, in your footer text, wherever the titles of your products, if you write blog posts or create videos about your products, make sure that the keywords go into the blog post titles or alt tags is so important for e-commerce businesses. If you have images on your site, Google cannot view those images. It cannot watch your videos. It cannot listen to your audio. So what you need to do is tell Google what's in that image. And the way to do that is to edit it and put in what's called an alt tag or alt text in the HTML related to that image where you say, this is a picture of a gift basket for a funeral. So you actually say a sentence like that? You can make it into a sentence. It should be words. It shouldn't be dashes in between. But maybe you just make it something like floral gift basket for funeral condolences. And then you can put your brand name into the alt text too. Think of it this way. There are people who have visual disabilities or impairments that set the browsers to not show images. They just have this alt text show up instead. So how would you describe what is in that image to somebody who cannot see it? Okay, that's important because I think a lot of people, if they're doing alt tags at all, won't necessarily do the description of the picture. They're doing something that has to do with their services, maybe. And it's okay to also include your services. You could have an alt text that says something like floral gift basket and funeral arrangement. And then you could say delivery available within 20 miles of Boulder, Colorado and have the name of your business there. You could put that much into an alt tag. You can put that much in there. Yep. Oh, didn't know that. Think about it also this way, that alt texts are what Google image search pulls from. So if somebody is looking for a funeral gift basket, I don't know why I'm stuck on this one, and they want to see those flowers show up in the search results, what would be the things that you would want people to show up in Google image search for that? What are the terms they would be looking for? That's such a good description. (laughs) Okay, I got sidetracked because I started talking about alt text. That's okay, but it makes so much sense. So, okay, keep going. Okay, so I was saying that there are two places on your website that it's important to think about getting these keywords into place. The first is actually on your website. And the second are the places on your website that you update that will actually be the parts that show up in the search engine results. So if you don't specify specifically what you want the words on the search engine results to be, it will take the headline from your post or the name of the page, and it will take the first 150 characters of the post, and it will just put those up by default on the search engine results for that page. But for many of us, that's not necessarily the thing that somebody would click for. So you can be specific about what you want to show up in those SEO titles and descriptions. If you're using Shopify, it shows up right on every page, every product listing. Same with WooCommerce. Every time you go into a product listing, if you're using WordPress and WooCommerce, you can download the Yoast plugin and it'll have a space underneath each of those products, each of those pages, each of those posts that says, here's what the SEO title should be. And it'll tell you when you're getting close to that 67 character limit. It'll tell you how long your meta description should be. 
Let me explain what those two pieces are. So the SEO title is the part that shows up in Google search in blue text, which is telling Google this is what this page is about. And so you want to get a searchable keyword into that title tag. You want it to say something like gift baskets, Boulder, Colorado, or delivery area or whatever that is. But if people are searching for gift baskets, Boulder, Colorado, you want that to show up in the SEO title on that page or product. And then beneath that, in the black text that we see in Google search results is the description. It's sometimes called the SEO description. It's sometimes called the meta description. It's usually about 150 characters. You don't necessarily have to get the keyword in here. This is the space where you want to invite people to come over to your site. This is the space where you can say, there's nine other results showing up in this page, but here's why you should click through to my page. So you can say something here like, we've been delivering gift baskets around Boulder for 25 years for all sorts of special occasions. Come over and contact us now. So giving people an invitation to your website in that description. So could you use that same wording for multiple products or should you be changing it out for each product? You can. The meta description isn't quite as important. If you can change it even just the, a little bit, then Google won't see it as duplicate content. But if you come up with something that works as a meta description and you don't have a ton of time, you can just kind of template it and adjust it. I would recommend trying to write something a little different for each one if possible. But I also know that a lot of e-commerce businesses have like hundreds of products and it sucks to have to come up with something different for each one. So do the best you can with what you have. <laughs> Right. I mean, even if you're talking about colors or scents or sizes, or I think there's all different types of options there. Okay. So let me summarize where we are right now. So the places to be looking are, I said that we said this already, but we're going to start from the top product mm -hmm. title, product descriptions, the main portions of your website, like about pages, making sure you're putting in your geography, which is going to lead to a question I have in a second. But then also by product, you're looking at alt tags for photos, and then your SEO title, and then the description. Yes. So those are all places like if any of you and Meg confirm that I'm right here, but I just want to bring out my thought here. Sure. If any of you are at the point where your website is up, you haven't really done anything else, this is where you can go in and start making adjustments right away. Yeah. So, and it's just a matter of taking some time and maybe you take things step by step product. Maybe you do two products a day or three products a day, something like that. So it's not over cumbersome. But so question here, a lot of people are online only. Yeah, they're going to their local craft shows and displaying and getting local business as well. But they want online sales from all over the country because we can, right? Mm -hmm. How does any of this change then if you're looking at getting national customers? I don't think it has to be an either or. Okay. I think you can say, I'm here in Rochester, New York, but I can ship anywhere. And the people who are here in Rochester, New York with me, I can do curbside delivery now. Normally, I'd say we can meet up and I've bought from local artisans and gone to their homes and picked them up to save us on shipping fees. And right. so you can do that. But I think also when people see where you are, even if they're buying from you online and you're shipping it to them, I think that there's a certain level of trust that happens with I'm a real person in a real place with a shop somewhere and here's where you can buy it locally and here's how you can buy it online. I'm a member of this community. I think it's still important to have there. If that's part of your business model, if you do sell things locally or online, it can't hurt to say that. Okay. 
Perfect. All right. So let's talk just a little bit about Yoast. I've used it in the past. It's been so great, but just as another tool for people to be aware of. Okay, so the thing about Yoast or any SEO plugin, all-in-one SEO plugin or PageMath or something like that, there's a lot of SEO plugins out there and they're good, but think of them as checklists, not as rules. So Yoast does not know what is on your page. It does not know what the keyword is that you're putting in there as your focus keyword. It doesn't know how competitive it is. It doesn't know if people are actually looking for it. It's just saying, okay, you told me that this is your keyword and here are the 10 places you should put it. It's asking you to follow a checklist. It is not the strategic partner (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you think it is. I had a blog post many years ago I wrote before I was doing any SEO that was like, you know, should you use WordPress or Squarespace for your website? Well, it's like, do you prefer Legos or crayons? Because I was making the point that like with WordPress, you have a lot more opportunities to change things the way that you want to. So it would be like buying Legos and you can build anything you want. And then I optimized that post for Legos, which is not at all the search term that it should be ranking for. Mm, right. And Yoast was like, oh, yeah, you haven't used the term Legos before and you used it in your title and you used it in your body text. So, yeah, this is great. Green light. But it wasn't actually going to help me get traffic from the people that I wanted to be found by. It wasn't a good keyword, even though I had the green light. Yeah. You know, and it also corrects your wording, like if it doesn't like how you've said something, I would always get caught with, you have three sentences that start with the same word, you know, things like that. I'm like, serious. And then what Yoast also does, I'm talking to our listeners because I know you know this, Meg, but (laughs) it gives you color rankings. Like red is like, this is so not good. And then orange and then green. And I'll be darned. There were some like, and I'm thinking especially like podcast notes, the show notes pages, there was not a thing I could do to make it turn green. So some of them I've just had to let stay orange. Let them slide. Use it as a reminder, but it's not actually going to make any difference. Because I couldn't even figure out what I'm listening to their rules. I'm making the changes. And finally, I'm like, okay, forget it. (laughs) And I think also something to be noted here is that there are a lot of different ways that Google can look at a keyword, which is to say, Yoast, when you say, this is a post about SEO for e-commerce businesses, right? And you put in that focus keyword that says SEO for e-commerce businesses is what the show notes of this page is going to be on, right? But if somebody looks up e-commerce SEO, Google would show the rank for that, but Yoast would be like, nope, not close enough, right? (laughs) So it's not that the exact phrase that we're talking about has to appear in the exact order everywhere that I just listed for you. No, related keywords will be fine or a different order of the same keywords would be fine. You know, if I say SEO for e-commerce businesses and you say SEO for gift businesses, this would still rank for that. This would still show up for that. So you don't have to be pedantic about this is the exact phrase. It's more like this is the concept trying to get into all of these places that we've listed out. Okay, perfect. Couple more questions for you. I have other ideas too, so go for it, Sue. Oh, okay, just a couple questions. Well, I'll save one of them for last, but one thing that I know or I've heard, so verify this for us, is once you put products up, let's say you're a business and your product line is set and you're not changing by season very often, let's just say. I've heard in the past that Google likes websites that keep having changes or enhancements to them or additions to them versus a stagnant site. Is that true? Yes. (laughs) Okay. This is tough. So here's 
You know, sometimes people will say, how can I continue to create something new when my product line is done or I don't know what else to say? And I think this is where content comes into the mix, which is to say, if you have a product that solves a problem that people have, you can write a blog post about how your product solved that problem. So if you have a line of skincare that is all about anti-aging, you can write in your product descriptions that this product will help with fine lines and this product will help with wrinkles and this product will help with moisturizing. But then maybe you want to create supplementary content that says, what are some vitamins that can help you decrease your fine lines and wrinkles? Or what are nutritional choices you can make to make your skin look younger? And you're drawing people into your site then that are interested in the outcome that your products give them, even if you're not specifically saying at the end of the post, and hey, buy this product, right? You need to, if you want to continue to create content beyond just your product listings, you can create content that would be interesting to those people and lead them to the fact that you sell products that serve their needs, that isn't specifically just here's a list of my ingredients and here's some of the benefits. But more than that, it's like for that that soap that helps with my psoriasis, here's some information about psoriasis and here's some different treatment options that you might consider and here's why you should stay away from these food groups and also, hey, we have this lotion that would be really good for you, right? You're not just caring about selling your products, but you're caring about the problem that your products are supporting. So good, Meg, because you're leading with giving. And this is another way to attract people over to your site. And if they're over to your site and they're looking at the article, they're going to see probably a Shop Now tab on the top or however your website is. And so they'll automatically understand that you also have products. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be as unclear as, okay, now you're on my page. Hey, look, I have a shop section. You can make the call to action. Go look at this product Mm -hmm. or come check out this listing. You can link directly to the correlation of, I wrote this because I sell this. So it doesn't have to just be, oh, well, I got them to my site and they'll figure out how to buy from me once they get there. No, there needs to be a call to action on every piece of content or every page of your site that says, come over and shop now. Or if you have this problem, let me explain what the problem is. And here, this product is the solution that I've created for you. And I would suggest that so many makers don't do this. You separate mm-hmm. yourself in this way also. You're the specialist. You're teaching people. You're educating them. They're interested. And I'm thinking this can also be content for email newsletters. So it doesn't just have to sit one place. Yes. And if you have a jewelry line, and so you aren't necessarily solving world hunger here, but you have something that's really incredibly beautiful, think of all of the reasons why people would buy that. And maybe you do a Mother's Day roundup post of here are 10 unusual things you can get your mom for Mother's Day and include two of your products with eight other products on that list. So sometimes it can be curated content in that way. And people are always looking for unusual or unique Mother's Day gifts, and they see your product in a list of other amazing products. Maybe you want to support some of your local makers in this way too, but creating content that displays what you are trying to sell as part of the answer to that question. Love it. Okay, we're going to fast forward. You have more things to tell us. Oh, no, it was mostly that, actually. I wanted to talk about content. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. So how do we know if this is working? We go in and we do some adjustments, et cetera. Is there a place that we can go or somehow we can understand whether we're getting more traffic to our site or it's working? Obviously, we'd know if we're getting more sales. Yes. But is there another way before that actually happens that we can see? 
Yes. So many of you probably also have Google Analytics installed on your website. If you don't, you can go over to google.com slash analytics and there will be a tutorial there to help you take the tracking code and put it on your website. And the way that will help you is that it will take a look at every single user who comes to your website and tell you how long they spent on the page, where they came from, did they buy anything, This is also very, very important for my e-commerce people. Please go in and click the box in the settings that turns on enhanced e-commerce tracking. If you do nothing else from this podcast interview, please go turn on the enhanced e-commerce tracking because what that will do is it will directly pull the information about your sales into the Google Analytics dashboard so that when people buy from you, you'll be able to reverse engineer that sale and say, oh, 60% of my sales came from referral traffic and 20% came from Instagram and 20% came from organic search. Those are the places I should be spending that time, not on LinkedIn or whatever that looks like for you. By being able to work backwards and figure out where your sales are coming from with your enhanced e-commerce tracking, that will make it so much easier for you to come up with a marketing plan. That is so good. So I'm going to admit that I'm one who hasn't been really good with SEO. I bought into, you know, how there was that challenge a while ago, like SEO doesn't matter anymore. It used to be important. You forget about keywords. I kind of feel like since I didn't want to put in the work, I just bought (laughs) into that until maybe a year and a half ago. (laughs) Okay. It's really easy to ostrich out of SEO because it is so freaking overwhelming. Well, but you make it sound so much more simple, honestly. But then I connected with you and you did an audit of my site, one of my sites, not both of them. We might have to get to the other one sometime. (laughs) But you did an audit of my site, which was really helpful to see what I was doing right, which was maybe a little, and (laughs) where I could use improvement. So I'd love for you just to share. I'm not trying to push Meg's audit on anybody, but just like what types of things are you finding are the weakest points when you're doing some of these audits and maybe explain what your audit's all about also. So I would say that the biggest problems that I see are things that we've already talked about a little bit, Sue, which are not creating content in a way that aligns with the things that people are searching for. And then when you do get people to your site, not telling them to buy things from you or getting them onto your email list. Those are the two calls to action that can be everywhere on your website. So either driving them to a page, a product listing or a specific collection or getting them to sign up for your email list so you can keep in touch with them. Getting people to your website is the first step of a longer marketing process. Okay, perfect. Got that. And I'm going to suggest to everybody that you go through, now that you've heard all of this, you go through with a pen and paper and write down everything we've talked about to this point, Mm -hmm. because a lot of this you can do yourself right now. So talk a little bit more about your audit and then the other services you provide. Sure. So I provide a quick audit where I will take a look at your website. I'll be able to give you three to five things that you can work on right away. Sometimes this also involves a little bit of keyword research where I say to you, hey, people are looking for this, not this. And I'll show you the free tools that I'm using for you to be able to do that kind of work yourself. Sometimes you just, especially when you're getting started, you just want someone to take your hand and walk you through the first couple things that you can do that day. I also have a bunch of free trainings. I run free challenges twice a year and I have a starter kit on my website. So if you go to loveitfirstsearch.com slash start, you can download my SEO starter kit. 
and that will share a bunch of resources that I have all about everything SEO. So if you want to get started with content planning and keyword research, I have a course about that. If you want to make sure that your site is secure and it's running quickly and loading quickly and it's mobile friendly, I have a course about that. If you want to learn better how to read your Google Analytics and use another tool from Google called Google Search Console to figure out the exact keywords that you are showing up for in search, I have a course about that. So these are all things that I kind of break up into bite-sized actionable steps to not just let SEO be some overwhelming thing on your to-do list that you just keep pushing off until next week, next month, next year. Mm -hmm. Which equates to never. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yep. Yeah, wonderful. And gift biz listeners, you know, on the show page, I'll have all the links to everything that Meg already referenced, as well as all of her social media sites. Meg, thank you so much. This has been incredibly helpful and it makes me even feel like SEO is more doable. I've learned so much, even though I've already been talking with you. Sometimes you have to hear these things a couple of times, I I think. (laughs) Yeah, but you've given us an incredible gift because I think a lot of people can go back right now after listening to this and make some adjustments that are really going to help them out. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed talking with you so much, Sue. Thank you. Okay, assignment time. Consider blocking off time in your calendar to get started on upgrading your SEO. Because you and I know if it doesn't get scheduled, it will never happen. Start with making sure your Google Analytics are set up and that enhanced email tracking is turned on. Then, Re-listen to this show if you need to with pen and paper in hand and decide what you want to work on first. Maybe it's reviewing the names of your products and the wording of your descriptions or the photo alt text or keywords. Take one thing or one product at a time and then advance to the next. It will be so worth it when you see your website traffic increase. And you only have to do this major overhaul once because now you know how to do this correctly when you add new products or blog posts to your site in the future. Completely worth it. Okay, next week, we're entering into the first of two episodes all about you. Your business, yes, but mostly you. That's all you're getting from me for now, though. Tune in next Monday to find out what I'm talking about. And until then, make it a great week and be safe and well. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.